Welcome to the School Food Rocks podcast, a platform where we will discuss all things school food related and how we can improve school food on a national level. This is the School Food Rocks podcast. All right, welcome back to the School Food Rocks podcast. This is your host, Joe Urban, Director of Food and Nutrition Services for Greenville County Schools in Greenville, South Carolina. Joining me again today as co-host of the podcast is Lauren Kushwal, Culinary Specialist for Greenville County Schools. Today is all about chefs in schools and the impact they can have on elevating school food service programs. Like I mentioned in my last podcast with Chef Sharon Schaefer, we are fortunate in Greenville to have been able to connect and collaborate with some amazing chefs throughout the world and country in an effort to elevate our school food service program here in Greenville. Some of those are local chefs, some are regional, uh, some are Michelin star chefs throughout the world, and some are just some amazing chefs who decided to get into the K-12 industry. On today's episode of the School Food Rocks podcast, Lauren and I are going to be talking with Chef Rachel Petragula. Rachel is the Culinary Coordinator and District Executive Chef for Gwinnett County Public Schools in Georgia. Since 2009, she has worked for Gwinnett, the state's largest school system, creating recipes and overseeing food safety for the district's over 180,000 students. Think of that number. That's huge. Her expertise and unique skill set have led her to oversee various additional responsibilities for the school district, including managing the program's chemical, packaging, small wares, and textile contracts. Chef Rachel earned her bachelor's in culinary arts from Johnson & Wales in Miami, Florida. Her energy and passion for cooking has led her to many career highlights, including traveling to South Africa, cooking at the James Beard House in New York, wow, writing a cookbook, and even being featured on the Today Show. Rachel is a proud member of the Culinary Institute of America's Healthy Kids Collaborative, a year-round invitational initiative designed to both accelerate innovation and deepen technical and professional expertise in K-12 school food service. Her work with the collaborative focuses on creating a culinary culture in school nutrition. She also chairs the group's flavor exploration efforts. In addition, Rachel is on the Healthy School Recipes Advisory Board and the Georgia Department of Education Culinary Advisory Committee. Rachel lives in Georgia with her husband, Joe, and two boys, Max and Sam. Hot take, this spring she's going to be joining the Georgia Department of Education School Nutrition Division as a culinary specialist. She's going to be able to impact change throughout the state of Georgia in her new role. Be sure to follow Chef Rachel on Instagram at the Petraglias and on Facebook at Rachel Reese Petraglia. So without further ado, let's go. Chef Rachel, welcome to the School Food Rocks podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure. We've been excited to have you on for a while now. Um, we got some exciting news to share with our listeners here in just a little bit. But before we get started, tell us a little bit about Chef Rachel, your family life, where you live, your education, how you got into school food service, et cetera. Well, I grew up in Gwinnett County, Georgia, and I did not have a lot of exposure to cooking and food. My parents cooked somewhat, but it was a lot of typical Southern cuisine with casseroles or fried squash or fried okra. And I remember watching the Martha Stewart show, which is just 
kind of interesting because she immediately struck me. And at the time, the Food Network was not really out there. There weren't a whole lot of cooking shows. I mean, obviously there were some, but I loved the way she broke things down. And I remembered thinking one time when I saw her making fruitcake that fruitcake has this really bad reputation and I'm watching her talk about it and the ingredients and it sounded delicious. And so I set out to make it. And through that, it just sparked an interest in cooking and what food could be. So when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do and kind of what career path I kind of threw out to my family, what do you guys think about culinary school? And I think everybody kind of saw that passion that I was growing and had inside me. And so that is what kind of started my love and education of food. I went to culinary school in Miami, Florida, and I got my bachelor's there. Now, when I showed up in culinary school, it was kind of funny because my cooking experience was me at my house cooking for my family. I had never worked in a restaurant, and I remember immediately them saying, you've got to get a job in a kitchen and really decide if you really like this or not. And so I immediately set out to find anybody that would hire me. And Fortunately, I loved the energy, barely being able to keep up with all of the tasks at hand. It just took. I thrived off of it. I wanted to learn everything I could about food and ingredients. And then being in South Florida, I had never really been exposed to different cuisines all of the culture that's there. I didn't know what a plantain was. I didn't even really know Cuban food or fresh herbs. And so that was a really exciting time. Um, And I found my way to fine dining. Stayed in fine dining. I was drawn to that because I found that it really required you to hone your skills the details were really, really important. The quality of the ingredients were really important. And I liked that more than just putting food together or mass producing it for, you know, service for hundreds of hundreds of people. And so I stayed in fine dining until I graduated from culinary school And then made my way to Savannah, Georgia, you know, just to get a little bit closer to home and to family. And I worked there for about uh, five and a half years. And that was wonderful because you've got the whole low country and it's a different type of cooking Southern cuisine. And so I just found from everywhere that I started to visit and go, I would just really take the time to learn about the ingredients, the style of cooking, and just kind of add it to my back pocket. I went to South Africa for a little bit of time because I just researched and they don't import a lot of food. It's all very seasonal. 
their style of cooking is very different. The way they layer flavors and seasonings with spices and herbs. And so that really sparked in me a passion that I've taken to school nutrition, which is seasonal and not necessarily, you know, running to salt or to sugar, but kind of thinking about how other ingredients or other characteristics like cooking something over an open flame impart flavor. Mm -hmm. Um, So after Savannah, we, my husband and I, we're thinking about having kids. And of course the restaurant industry is extremely demanding. And so I was looking for a better schedule and then I wanted to be close to my sisters. And so Gwinnett County was hiring a chef and they had never had a chef before growing up in Gwinnett. I was a product of those schools. I knew exactly how large they were. And I was proud to graduate from a Gwinnett County school. So I also knew it was a good school system. So I immediately applied. What year was that that you started with Gwinnett? That was August of 2009. Okay. It was a good time to come in. Things are just about to change pretty heavily for school nutrition programs. And uh, there's a running theme here. We had Chef Sharon Schaefer on, which is my favorite alliteration of a name ever. And she and you and Joe speak very similarly to the quality of our ingredients and spices for flavoring. And uh, 2010 was when Healthy Hunger Free Kids Act was really starting to roll out. So you were probably a godsend there. You know, it was really interesting not knowing school nutrition because when I first started, I really focused on what are the capabilities in the kitchens? How can I start to train on elevating techniques and making sure that the presentation is really there? What products are available? What's the budget? But you're right, you know, we were under nutrient analysis in Gwinnett. And so we could kind of do anything. And this is going to be an entree. And let's decide what the sides are going to be. And as long as everything averaged out for the week, we were set. I do love that I came in just before those regulations rolled out because I was able to learn them as the rest of my core team that we, you know, work together. We're learning them as well. And fortunately, Gwinnett definitely has a mindset of we're never going to just sit or just get by. So things that might be seen as problems to other districts or industries, we just kind of saw it as a challenge. And I definitely take the approach with food that when you get backed into a corner or what might feel like a corner, that's when the best innovation occurs. And I'm not a very good chef. If I can't navigate through any regulation that gets rolled down, we're not going to spend time complaining about it or, oh, you know, I wish we didn't have this. I mean, certainly give feedback when, you know, it's asked and in the right way. Mm -hmm. However, 
we're going to figure this out and do it really well. So for our listeners, um, Greenville and Gwinnett are uh, two of the larger school systems in the, in the country. Um, and as large as Greenville is, Gwinnett is about twice the size of Greenville. So uh, we got 106 locations here and 78,000-ish students. Uh, what's the demographics there? How many schools do you have and how many students currently in Gwinnett, approximately? We, we have just over 140 schools and just over 183,000 students. So 40% more schools than us and over 100% more students than us. So uh, just to make sure that perspective is there, Gwinnett is huge. Um, we're fortunate, uh, Rachel, you and you and I and, and Karen have have worked together numerous times over the years. I, I forget when it was that we first connected, but it was most likely at a SNA show, I would guess, somewhere around the country. It was. Do you remember where well, it, was? it was? Yes, it was in Atlanta at the conference because I had started seeing pictures that you were posting on social media and it was salmon. Remember the yes. salmon on the yes. south. And then I just knew that I need to meet this person. I have lots of questions. Want to figure out exactly what he's doing, his mindset. Just I wanted to tap your brain. And you were so excited about about what school nutrition could do, open and willing to talk and share anything. And I think that just really started that collaborative spirit and partnership. Um, and of course, Karen has always been the type of person to, what are the obstacles? What are the barriers? I'm going to remove them out of your way so that you can do what you want to do, because I think she always saw for me, you're going to push and you're going to get the best out of the schools and kitchens. And so anytime I would say to her, you know, we need to talk to Joe, or I think we need to go to Greenville. You know, she was sure. Yep. Let's do it. Karen's the director for Gwinnett, correct? She is. And shout out to Karen. She's yeah. one of my favorite people in this industry. Pretty great. Uh, along with you. You guys are just an amazing team there. Um, and, you know, Greenville and Gwinnett have uh, had a shared partnership for a while. We collaborate. Uh, we discuss ideas. We compete sometimes. I've served uh, one of your sliders along with one of my sliders one day. The same day you guys did the same thing down in Gwinnett. You know, we've we've met at Buckhead Beef for some menu ideation sessions before, and I'm a huge proponent of best practice sharing in mm -hmm. school districts. And I love whenever I can find another district that is like-minded uh, as we are and willing to continue to push the boundaries of the perceived limitations of our programs, number one. Two, that, that are willing to... Uh, hire the best people and let them be creative and, and let them go and see where, see how far you can take a program. Um, you guys have done such an amazing job in Gwinnett. I'm, I'm glad you're only a couple hours away from us and we get to see you once in a while. Uh, but you're, 
you're an exemplary program and everybody in the country really needs to be watching Gwinnett if you want to if you want to learn about ways to find inspiration to serve incredible school meals and just to connect with some of the best people. So uh, shout out to you guys. I don't want this to be a love fest for you, but you guys are amazing. One of my favorite districts in the country. So thank you. Well, yeah, I mean, we obviously feel the same. And I think that, you know, that collaborative spirit with the competitive edge really creates momentum and, People can transform what is the perceived reputation Mm -hmm. or, you know, what a lot of people, when you say school lunch or school nutrition, you know, conjures up thoughts. And a lot of times those aren't, you know, the best images. And I think that it takes constant effort and work and what next and pushing ourselves and finding other people that are like-minded and have that same goal to get there. But if you look at other industries, it's done all the time. I mean, Chick-fil-A did it to fast food. Quick Trip did it to a gas station. That's right. Look at Bucky's. I mean, that's basically a truck stop. However, I have been researching them because they are serving a ton of food and it's very similar to the way school nutrition. I mean, we serve a lot of kids and the qualities there because of the ingredients, it's consistent. They do it well, the speed of service, the friendliness and people go there. So the same is true for school nutrition and you just have to keep working at it and make sure that that vision and goal and those standards are spoken about repeatedly. And those are the non-negotiables and that your school and your kitchens know that. I think it's super cool. When I came here um, up to Greenville, it wasn't too too far into my time here that something came up about our competition with Gwinnett. And I was like, well, that's... Collaboration. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's strange. Competition. We don't we don't compete with each other. I've said it time before on here. You know, one of the best things about us is we can't steal each other's customers. But then I got to meet you all at Buckhead, and we talked a little bit about what was this competition? I don't understand. And I think it's incredibly cool, and I hope that we can reiterate it and just echo exactly what you just said to other school districts is... You cannot compete with each other for their customers, but you can compete with the people next to you for who can be best. And it's very, very friendly. It's very much more collaborative uh, competition than I'm used to because I am like cutthroat and I will take you out if I can Ah. to win. (laughs) But what we do in Greenville with Gwinnett is so super cool. And I wish I had had that concept um, when I was down in Florida because we have a ton of districts around us. And you know, it would be super fun to to kind of go, hey, I'm serving this today. This is my recipe. You do yours. We'll compare them. We'll serve them at the same time and see what kids like best because the only people that win in that are then the kids because they're kids. going to get the best product at the end of the day. And I love that about you guys. For the record, I'm not going to say whose slider um, won if there was a winner, um, but your slider was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing. And it was so cool seeing – one of my recipes and one of your recipes mm-hmm. 
on the tray together because we served two sliders with that meal cool. along with lots of fresh fruits and vegetables. And look, this was this was a, a joint uh, effort between two creative, uh, inspiring, uh, motivational, I don't know what, whatever, what uh, adjectives you want to use, but two districts that are always just really trying to push the envelope. But we're like, there's no ego here. I wanted right. to win really badly, but, you know, we didn't keep score. But it was awesome because at the end of the day, our students win. And I think that best practice sharing, whether it be sharing recipes, procedures, policies, SOPs, whatever you want to call them um, amongst districts makes us all better. And if we want to really tackle and we need to be honest with ourselves in this, you know, you mentioned it when you talk about school food service in general, the perception is not great. You know, and I think there's a lot of reasons behind that. Um, and, and, you know, in, in many cases, it's true, you know, and in many cases, people that are doing an exemplary job just do not tell their story. And, you know, we talked about how close we are in proximity to each other and, you know, in the top 45 or so largest districts and you're much larger than us. And also our, our, but we're very chef driven and, you know, all these things. But the other thing we have in common is that we tell our story. You know, and, and we never tell our story on social media in a way that puts other districts down. We tell our stories in a way that highlights the incredible food that our incredible workers are doing every day so our community members um, see how much we value them and how much effort we're going to put in to serve them great food. And you guys do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the perception that school food is bad is earned in a lot of cases, can be fixed, but it's earned. And then the other part of it is people just don't tell their story. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of districts out there that I probably never heard of who are doing incredible work, and I wish I knew about them. Yeah. But for one reason or another, they don't tell their story. And you guys have always done a really, really good job about telling your story. Um, so how important is that for um, you guys at Gwinnett to not only continue to push the envelope on, on what quality school food can look like, but also how to communicate that through social media channels and other efforts for your community and your parents? Well, I think that, you know, we really dove into telling our story from seeing you on social media, because I think that you put out there what your district was doing and best practices and, beautiful photos. And I think that anytime you share that story and, you know, the community is going to see it, the local school is going to see it. You're creating a level of accountability that is also a great way to drive the kitchens because, you know, I'm, I'm putting pictures out there of beautiful food. So if your kitchen is, you know, lacking in some areas, it's going to be noticeable. And so I definitely, you know, we picked up on that. And then also, you know, and I know that, you know, I would tease you sometimes, you know, when you would say, you know, Greenville is the best school nutrition program on the planet. That's because it is. That's because it is. But but I loved the praise and the pride behind your team that was evident that you felt. And I picked up on that and felt that that was very important because 
we are highly regulated and we have a responsibility to serve food safely. We have time constraints. There's, you know, a lot of obstacles and challenges. And I think that sometimes we can get bogged down in our message to our teams of, you need to do this, make sure you're doing that. Where's the paperwork? Um, you know, your order's not in, your inventory is not correct. Pizza looks overdone. There's no fruit the or vegetable on that tray. Right. I mean, there's a lot of. Right. Yeah. Yes. And so sharing not only gives inspiration and ideas to other districts so that we can all elevate. And I think you're right. I think there are many, many school systems that are doing a really good job. And then I also think that, you know, ones that perhaps have areas to improve, they don't necessarily know how. I mean, you can spend your entire work week and year just staying in the regulations and the accountability. And so if I don't necessarily even know where to start, it's probably not going to happen. And so I think that the more that we share and collaborate, it just creates a roadmap per se for other districts to see how to get to that vision. And I think that sometimes, you know, you'll hear, well, is that just one school or is that just one dish mm -hmm. or is that just, you know, a staged photo? I don't, I don't care for one thing there's effort. You know, if you're even staging one photo to get a beautiful picture, there's a desire behind it for that to be every single pizza that leaves your kitchen. And so growing off of that effort and that positivity, it's just going to elevate school nutrition and it has to be done. We feed millions and millions of kids in the United States, breakfast and lunch. And we want them to have positive experiences with food. The passion and joy that ingredients and food and playing in the kitchen and creating something has brought me. I want everyone to experience that. They're also truly rewarding jobs. You get immediate gratification in the faces, in the smiles. You know, I love when I taste something that is so good that I have to smile. And so we have such an outlet to create that for so many people that it just can't not be shared and talked about and worked towards. Yeah, It has to. And you know, not that long ago, I, ha I had a good friend of mine, I won't call him out, um, mentioned to me about, you know, one of the one of the Facebook posts that I put out there. And, and it was exactly what you mentioned a minute, a minute ago about, you know, Greenville having the best food service staff in the country. And he's like, dude, you're killing it. You're doing a great job. But like, why are you putting other people down? I'm like, I'm not putting other people down. It's my responsibility to my people to let them know that they're the best and they're valued and you should be doing the same thing. I'm not going to be mad at you. If you, if you tell me your, your district, I'm not even going to call it the state in, in X state has the best food service staff in the, in the world. Good for you. They should be, they, they may be, but I'm going to keep promoting my people 
And it's necessary because, like you said, it's a it's a very difficult job. And at the school level, it doesn't pay a ton of money. So people get in this for a variety of reasons, but a, a big part of it is making a difference in the lives of kids as well and ha- as well as having a, a quality work-life balance that, that Working for a School District has. But, you know, they need to be reminded equally as much that they are appreciated, they're seen, they're yep. heard, um, we're thankful for them. The work they do is valuable. It's impacting students and student achievement in the classroom. Equally as much as they need to hear, hey, you got to have a fruit or vegetable on that plate, or hey, where's your production records, or hey, your inventory is messed up. Those are all conversations we need to have for sure, but they deserve recognition, and everybody should be touting their people as the best in the country. And the more you do that, the more they know they're appreciated, the harder they're going to work for you. You know, and as you elevate programs and, and your skill sets improve and the quality of your food improves and student participation increases and, you know, respect from other departments in your district uh, improves, um, so is the morale of your staff because they're going to they're gonna really understand that everybody sees the work we're doing here is valuable. That's exactly what I was going to say is, you know, it's not just our people looking at Facebook or our social media posts. It's our parents. It's our community. It's our principals. It's other staff. And it's really helped us build that sense of involvement here that something I think that really, really matters and we do well here as a whole as a school district in Greenville is the school is all-encompassing. There is no us versus them. That's the kitchen. That's food service. They're not part of the school. There is next to none of it here. And that's not the case where I came from um, in all of our schools anyways in Florida. There was a lot of, you know, we feel underappreciated as food and nutrition professionals. We feel misunderstood. There is a lot of misinformation out there. And it was one of our biggest pushes to start social media there. It was to tell our story and to have our community understand how important we are. It was such a struggle for me with some of our managers to even have them understand that they were important because they were told time and time again they weren't. So social media can be used on so many levels to build staff morale, community involvement, show the good work that you're doing as well, and get your community involved. Absolutely. Well, I think that your staff, I can't emphasize enough, they have a tremendous job. And a lot of times that is lost on the community or other people in the school. Because if you don't know food service and if you don't know kitchen operations, then, you know, you're just not going to know. I even take the example of something as simple as, you know, as we hire new staff members, you know, a lot of times it can be said, well, even if, you know, we don't have time to train them on day one, they can at least hop on, you know, dish and trash. And it's like, can they, can they operate a commercial dish machine with strong chemicals? Do they know how to handle trash for lunch service that's about to serve over 2,000 kids and how to operate a compactor? They're operating huge programs and have the regulations to be accountable for, the nutrition to be accountable for. If you think about a kindergartner on the first day of school, they have never dined alone. You know, I know I've never sent my kids into a restaurant at five or six years old and said, okay, have at it. Right. 
that's a responsibility in itself to make sure it's safe. You can recognize food allergies. And so I think that the more you share, the greater the appreciation. And then I also think just taking a very clear look at where is my program now? Where are my kitchens now? And what needs to be done for them to get to the next level? And not because they're broken or they're doing a bad job, but because our job every single day is to do better than the day before. Right. Our job every single day is to elevate the experience, the food, the dishes, the flavor better than the day before. And so even rethinking training, because me training you how to operate a steamer is very much different than me training you to have that culinary mindset of flavor and what happens to flavor over time, or how do you identify ingredients for quality? You know, if I don't know a ripe pineapple, I don't know a ripe pineapple. And so tasting food and then what does it look like? And constantly talking about it and constantly thinking about food and really thinking about your teams as culinary experts. They're serving more meals than the majority of the restaurants in the county you're in. No, 100%. That's true. 100% that's true. So both you and I came into this industry as chefs, um, which was interesting for me in the beginning. I'm sure it was for you. And there's there's been a a collective movement to get more chefs in the schools for a number of years now. Um, and, that, and I think that's important. And I think, you know, we need to do everything we can if our, if our intentions are really to improve school food service throughout the country, um, getting chefs, getting professional cooks, even getting food, you know, people with different food service experience into our industry to help improve the skills. Um, so I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of getting chefs in schools and, you know, there's a number of movements out there, uh, right now trying to make that happen. And, uh, being you both have had the pleasure of meeting a ton of outstanding chefs who've gotten into this industry and who are thriving and, and have great careers and are making a difference in the lives of others while at the same time being home on the holidays and the weekends and, you know, home for dinner every day, which is huge, huge, huge for our industry. Um, I'm sure you agree, but um, do you think we need more chefs in schools? Um, and also, what are what are some of the the barriers that are, are are preventing some chefs from really taking a leap of faith into this industry? I think yes, we need more chefs in schools. I feel like it should be a prerequisite requirement that if you are running a food service operation, that you have a level of culinary expertise behind it. I feel that a lot of chefs don't know school nutrition. They also have, you know, probably some of the preconceived notions or, you know, I didn't go to culinary school to, you know, work in an industry where it's just frozen and heat and serve. And so they just don't understand the process and the program. I find school nutrition 
to be one of the most rewarding jobs. I got into it, yeah, because I wanted to be home on the evenings. I wanted to be home on the weekends. You know, I knew it's going to be difficult to have kids if I'm working every holiday and around the clock. But I immediately found that every single year almost starts over again. And as trends change and what the students are interested in changes, you've got to evolve and be creative. I also found that, you know, with regulations and with, you know, new nutritional elements that are kind of put on school nutrition, you're going to have to, again, get creative and innovate. You know, I found that to be fascinating. I do think that there can be a tendency at times for culinary professionals or chefs to come in and learn school nutrition. And I feel, yes, you need to learn the backbone, the parameters to school nutrition, but then you are bringing to it your expertise, your way of great thinking about food and elevating it. It is not, well, I have a job as a chef in a school system, and so I'm going to almost conform or adapt into what's being done and how it's being done, even knife skills. When I first started with Gwinnett, you know, I started doing some knife skills classes and things like that. And, you know, I would go in and, you know, here are all the knives and, you know, here's the deboning knife and here's the, you know, paring knife and, this is how you, you know, small dice and medium dice and julienne, da, da, da. And all the schools were using basically two knives. And one was a box cutter. One was yes. a box cutter. <laughs> yes. yes. You know, like, okay, so you're going to use the serrated chuck knife, which is an interesting take on a knife for everything. Uh, okay. Um, but I quickly found that okay, you don't need to know all this detail and we don't need to have this type of variety when it comes to the different cuts and things like that we're doing. They don't have to I'm be perfect. Conform. They don't have to be perfect. Yes. And I'm going to conform to whatever knife you want to use. If this is a knife you're comfortable with, here's how you still get that onion cut using the knife you're comfortable and cutting it in the way that you're you know, even with technique and roasting, you know, it's an amazing flavor and it's just more interesting to look at visually. However, when traditionally, you know, I'd write into a recipe, well, crank up your ovens and you're going to roast these veggies. Well, you know, there's a lot being produced in the kitchens. Typically the ovens are, you know, about at 350 when the oven's that high. It's going to be less forgiving if you don't pull it right away. And so I worked on and played around with how did the schools roast at 350 degrees? And perhaps things should be slow roasted so that if another product gets put in that oven, it's not going to ruin it. And if they're pulling several pans from the oven, 
they're not going to then end up with, you know, some burnt ones because the oven's so high. So again, never compromising the culinary integrity of the item, but really thinking through how does a school nutrition kitchen that's producing the volume they're producing still do it really, really well. And that's what chefs need to be bringing. You know, and, and I think they need to come into this industry because, you know, they come in with, with uh, some perceptions based on, you know, what we talked about earlier and, you know, they, they've worked at, you know, five-star restaurants, maybe even a single Michelin star restaurant, or maybe some James Beard award under some James Beard award winning chef. And, you know, their thought is like, Oh, you know, food's so horrible. I can come in and change the whole system in, in no time. And I think that's where a lot of chefs run into trouble because they don't really take the time to learn and understand this industry, you know, and, and it's not that hard. The rules aren't that difficult, but you know, before you start thinking about how you're going to change the world, you need to, you need to understand what the rules are. And, you know, once you learn those, and if you're in a system, um, that is, uh, encouraging of, uh, innovation, uh, and really wants to highlight a school food program. It's amazing what the work you can do in this industry. And I don't want to say there's no limits, but we haven't found it yet. And we push them every day. Um, you know, just like a, sh- a chef in a restaurant, he has to develop menus that fit around the price point of what that restaurant will support. It's the same thing here. We just work, you know, we work on different scales. Um, you talked about upcoming uh, regulation changes and how chefs can help for that. Um, and I, th- I think a big thing school districts can un- can learn and understand is the more scratch and speed scratch cooking you do, the easier navigating those sodium and calorie regulations are. Absolutely. You know, you're not dependent on manufacturers providing you some pre-cooked and processed foods. You know, there's there's lots of opportunities and you start slow and you do the best you can and you build upon that. Um, when you scratch and speed scratch to be more creative. And we don't really have any issues navigating regulations, even the upcoming probable sodium changes. We already ran those. It's not going to be a problem at all, um, especially because, you know, we can tweak our menus and our recipes as needed. Um, so I think you've done an amazing, amazing job with our friends in Gwinnett, and they're fortunate to have you. But I don't know, can we talk about this? Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. We're going to announce here, and actually I'll let you announce it. You have uh, just accepted a new position with the Georgia Department of Education. And tell us what that is and um, what your role is going to entail. I have, um, you know, and it's been bittersweet because Gwinnett is my heart. You know, I graduated from Gwinnett County Schools. My sons go to Gwinnett Schools. My husband works in the district. And, you know, I have such strong partnerships and, you know, just relationships with coworkers. You know, Karen and I have worked together for, you know, well over a decade. Um, So it was certainly, you know, a bittersweet decision. However, the Georgia Department of Education, they have a vision very similar to what drew me to you and Greenville. 
I'm going to be starting as a culinary specialist there March 1st. And Dr. Lynette Dotson, who's the director, she sees the opportunity to take Georgia's districts that are already, you know, some really wonderful, amazing school systems and provide them with the access to, like you were saying, do you think, you know, school systems need more chefs? Yes, yes, they do. Well, what if I can't hire a chef right now? Well, the Georgia, you know, Department of Education has kind of said, we're going to give you access to that. We are going to create that roadmap to building a culinary driven school nutrition program and provide it throughout the entire state. You know, the state of Georgia is the fifth largest school nutrition program in the country. Huge. So the impact could be tremendous. And she's very smart. She she is, is very a rock motivated. star. Lynette yeah. is a friend. And let me tell you, she used to be a, a, a director herself. And I'm fortunate that I've I've been able to meet a lot of you know, district directors around the country and a number of state directors. And she's on, uh, she's way up there on the list as far as being my favorite. She's a, she's a rock star. She understands operations and uh, she is just a proponent for outstanding school food. So um, huge, huge, huge hire for Lynette. And for you, you're, you're going to work for an amazing lady. Well, you know, she had been director in Carrollton City Schools in Georgia, and I always thought their program was nice and their menus and things like that, um, but I did not know her very well. And when she came on with the State Department as the director, I had the opportunity to spend some time and speak with her. And over the years that she's been director, anything she puts her mind to and puts out as an initiative or a goal I've seen come to fruition. And so I know that when she says we're hiring culinary specialists, I'm the third, they have two others. We are going to be providing training, access to farm to school. How can we, you know, provide resources that kitchens need in order to achieve culinary training in order to, like you said, the quick scratch. I think that it can be intimidating because if you don't have experience cooking in a commercial kitchen, or if you don't have a great depth of knowledge about food, creating a recipe can be very intimidating. If it was easy we would all open up Food and Wine magazine and say, okay, I'm going to make that wedding cake this weekend. I'm just going to follow the instructions and they've got a photo. That should work. That's not how it works. And so knowing that that's a need and then creating positions and allocating those funds to provide that, it's really, really exciting. That's cool. Well, we, we can't wait to see what comes up uh, from your new position. Uh, I know you're going to do outstanding work for the state of Georgia and you're going to, 
you're going to really be an outstanding resource for districts throughout your state, and I'm sure others, because I know Lynette also likes to uh, share, and and I can't wait to collaborate with you in your new role. Um, It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I agree. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're very excited for you, and congratulations again. You deserve it. Um, Thank you. It's gonna. Uh, we're gonna start wrapping up now. But before we go, I was wondering if you could put out some sort of call to action for our listeners. Um, you know, the primary focus of this podcast is to help spread school food service excellence throughout the country. Um, and so we have a variety of listeners uh, and, and guests on here who, who talk about that. But from your perspective. What do you think is uh, one or two great pieces of advice to help districts improve the quality and the perception of the, of the school meals that they serve? If I could sum it up into two things, one would be taste, taste food. Teacher teams to taste food, make time to taste the food write it into your work schedule, you know, have people come in a little bit early or stay a little bit later so that you can, you know, create the opportunity to try things because that is going to educate. They're going to really start to see the differences and even just texture, doneness, flavor, all of those items. And then the other is don't forget about that front of the house. You know, we put a lot of effort and energy into making sure that all of the food is produced. We have it ready for service. It's out on the serving lines, but the customer experience, you know, I think the great thing about school nutrition is even though the students, there might be a big age gap and I may not necessarily understand TikTok or love a talkie the way um, students do, what they're looking for in a school meal or dining experience is exactly what we're looking for. And so you can really learn a lot and elevate a lot by just going through the line yourself, walking in to your serving area, just as your customer, the students would what does it feel like? Is everything there? Is something missing? If I was dining here, would I have any issues with it? Mm-hmm. And those critiques and tweaks can be extremely impactful. Um, you know, and I just think that it can feel overwhelming if, you know, you want to try to do too much, you know, too quickly you know, we're all a bit resistant to change and change can be overwhelming and chaotic. Um, But sometimes small changes or little goals can really add up to make an impactful result. So just start with that. We're going to start tasting everything, you guys. And have every staff member tomorrow, you're going to go through the line just like a customer and, you know, give us some feedback. That's outstanding advice. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show today. 
congratulations on your new position again. Um, very excited for you and the state of Georgia. Um, and that's going to wrap it for today. So until next time, let's go. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Rachel.